Welcome back to another episode of the Shift Drink Podcast. I'm Edward Assel, sitting here as always with Arthur Black. What's up, guys? Uh, today we've got another recurring guest, Joshua Gonzalez uh, of Thunderbird in Indianapolis, also a business partner, full disclosure there uh, of mine. So uh, how are you doing, Josh? I'm doing good. I was griping about the cold today. I, was, uh, I walked up here and uh, felt underdressed. I mean, it's, you know, 45. It's outside. 45. But I had a, you know, I had a coat. I, if I had the scarf, I'd have been all right. <laughs> the neck was cold. Yeah, yeah. So all you have to do is take care of the neck, man. <laughs> you left home without the scarf. I left home without the scarf. Well, we're, uh, we're the Shift Drink podcast, but today we're talking about the exact opposite. We're talking about the uh, non-Shift Drink. Non-Shift Drink. The boring. You're right, yeah. This is the boring episode. Where you sit up at the bar with a Diet Pepsi and... Soda water with right. animal bitters. Well, this is, I figured, you know, keeping with the thing, we're all sitting around the table with, uh, what, you got hot tea over there? I've got coffee and Josh has got water. I've got water. Arthur's being bougie with the tea. I um, like it. I figured I'd, I'd, I'd go non-alcoholic today in, in honor of Josh. And well, the, you usually the, the have theme. tea in front of you. I think we never really mentioned that before. We usually have tea in front of you. It's just in addition to the wine. Right, and, but, yeah, yeah, right. And, yeah. and a wine opens or a bottle of sake or, you know, mezcal or something like that. But the reason we are talking uh, about non-alcohol or not talking about alcohol today is, um, Josh, you have been uh, sober uh, yeah. for quite a while now, I guess, and you've kind of become the poster child in Indianapolis in a way for the industry, the service industry for sobriety and like kind of attacking the issues of mental health and sobriety and the service industry head on. Yeah, it's definitely uh, an important subject for me and something that it, uh, I didn't really anticipate being an advocate for. But uh, as the, when you opened a bar, yeah, when you opened a bar, <laughs> right. right? The conundrum there. But um, yeah, as the year has progressed, and what I'm, I don't know, fifteen months, something like that, almost fifteen or sixteen months around there, uh, sober, um, and then having you know running a bar, having a staff, and uh, sort of seeing an outsider's perspective of of the industry that I've been part of for twenty years. Um, kind of looking at it through a different set of eyes, um, feeling the need to sort of address some of the issues that, that come with the industry that are inherent to it. Um, and especially in a time where, you know, we've got, you know, network television that's, you know, built around the food and beverage industry. Uh, it's very cool to open bars and restaurants now. Everybody's doing it. Um, and uh, for the first time in a long time, being a service industry professional is not necessarily a something to frown at. It's not a temporary position anymore. People can can stay in the uh, in the industry for a long time, make very good money, and build uh, very productive careers. So, from that standpoint, I think it's kind of a time to to address some of those negative aspects that have uh, that we've we've all lived with for a very long time. Uh, you mentioned um, some of the networks and and alcohol being on TV, and it seems to me like. There are more advertisements for alcohol on TV than ever before, um, just as it's become you know a more popular avenue of of, of promotion. There's um, a series on Netflix called Bloodline. That's actually pretty cool. Have either of you seen it? I have not. No. Okay, it's worth checking out. And usually Josh is my uh, Netflix recommendation yeah. uh, no, engine. It's, it's it's good. I mean, great actors, great production. Um, but every scene, someone is drinking something. Yeah. And I'm just, it's like, fuck, it's like Mad Men down in the Keys. That's what I was getting ready to say. Like Mad Men and uh, what was that uh, show with the uh, women? Uh, Sex in the City. Sex in the City, right? Yeah. Like, I think that's when you really started seeing, like, the fetish, 
Fed, I can't even say that. No, I think that's a good point. The, fetis- the fetization <laughs> See, of alcohol, that. right? That's, that's kind of an interesting way to look at it. And I think if you, if you kind of look at, at advertising currently, it's very much driven towards um, this notion that, that, almost, that over-consuming is okay, right? I think it's pretty apparent. You see the little, almost every bar or restaurant has a chalk sign in front of it with some little joke about uh, drinking, right? right. Um, some little, little quip and quote about how it's okay to get drunk today or I quit drinking for good and now I drink for evil, those kinds of things. You see them all over the place. Well, so it's just kind of like normalization of an over-consum- mm, over-consumption. Millennials are drinking more and more by volume and volume and we've had a huge like boost by value for luxury goods since you know the recession so yeah there's a lot of driving forces out there to encourage people to drink more interesting though the generation what is it z is that the one behind millennials i have no idea man i didn't know we were already uh naming a generation yeah whoever's behind millennials so the 20 somethings now uh liquor companies are pretty nervous because they don't drink uh, they're like under like teen drinking is down. Uh, oh, give them time. Yeah, well, yeah, but you're not. There's you know the the stage isn't being set for a new wave of consumers to come in and start buying. It's because they all smoke weed. I was gonna say legalization yeah, yeah, of yeah, cannabis. I wonder if there weed. is actually uh, a correlation between legalization yeah. of cannabis and. Oh, uh, I'm sure. Yeah. So I mean, we have what. 28, 20, I should, I, of all people, we should know exactly how many states it's legal in. But. And I never would have thought from my youth that a generation would smoke more weed than we did. Uh, I would have never thought it would be legal at this point anywhere. I've always said there's no way it'll ever be legal in my lifetime. And here we are. I'm like, you know, barely over 40 and it's legal in over half of the country. Half the, yeah, half the states. Well, you know, Josh and I, we were talking uh, before we, we sat down here today. And um, for those of you listening, um, Star Wars is just uh, fresh out of the theater. Please go see it. It's super cool. Like, I, we're, we're big investors in the film. <laughs> I wish, man. That'd be awesome. But... No, uh, I went to go see it uh, yesterday, and it was like an industry thing where they, uh, a lot of people from a local distribution company had given uh, tickets to bartenders, chefs, uh, servers, just industry professionals around. And as I sat there in the crowd um, waiting for the film to start, I heard numerous bartenders and servers talking about how trash they'd got the night before. And uh, because it was, again, it was an event sponsored by a liquor distributor, there were cocktails, kind of a cocktail um, happy hour prior to the film starting, and people were already back in getting hammered and smashed again. I went to the same industry thing for the last movie, and yeah, yeah I, I, I got inebriated. I, I, almost, uh, I, I almost bailed on it and like just bought my own ticket to go to a different showing, because I was like, man, if I end up sitting in front of some smashed, hammered bartender that doesn't stop talking through the whole thing, I'm going to be pissed. And I did miss a couple of lines because of people having to... Uh... Well, I think that's, a, you know, again, kind of bringing up a good point that the industry is sort of set up is in, in the, from the tiers of the distributor to the, to the brands and how the, the brands and the distributors communicate with the buyers and the bar staff and the service staff, right? It's this never-ending stream of, of alcohol, right? So... The brands befriend the bartenders by coming and doing activations and having cool events at the bar. And there's usually a lot of free booze being consumed. And the distributors are always coming in to taste you on a new product. Um, you know, see, I'm on the beer side. There's always, I mean, I, a day doesn't go by at Thunderbird where there's not some vendor, some in vendor coming in to taste staff on something, right? 
Um, and that happens daily. And now I've got to go to an event later on where there's going to be booze or there's a, you know, a bartender competition later on where I've got to go and there's, got to, there's going to be booze. So escaping that um, can be very so difficult. How do you well, handle that being a great bartender, though? Because I mean, you are a great bartender. So do you just nose or do you taste and spit? I, mean, I taste and spit. Yeah. Okay. So last night I did a tasting. We did uh, a private tasting for 16 people. We went through four bourbons, four ryes. Um, I, I did. Ta- I, I tasted through everything um, a couple of days prior as I was writing notes and making slides for everybody. Um, and then I tasted that evening again, but I was spitting everything. Yeah. And um, for the record, that for those non-industry people, that is how you're supposed to taste products whether right. it be spirits or whether it be wine if you're in a buying situation or an assessment or if you're judging you should be and i'm victim to not uh of course most of us are but yeah you should be sipping and, and spitting I, yeah i learned a hard lesson here on this uh on this show when you were judging a competition <laughs> and, and he was sipping and was spitting yeah he was sipping spitting and handing me the rest oh, of the cocktail yeah, and i was like all right i'll drink all these and there yeah, were a recipe th- for disaster that, there were like three waves or something cocktails I was oh, like, man, yeah there was a lot of juice was, that that night. there was a lot of booze that, yeah a lot of a lot of cocktails came yeah through. but you know that's a slippery slope what you're talking about i mean i know when you chose to um quit drinking it was because of you know your own personal reasons and becoming a detriment and you know uh but for people that have, you know, are, have a predilection to addiction, I mean, even having alcohol in your palate could be really a dangerous situation or going to a tasting event because I know myself as a former smoker, I just have to stay away from, like, groups that are like, come on, man, you can have a quick cigarette with us. And like, no, I can't. I, yeah. One puff will be a pack in my pocket in, in a half an hour. So I, I just can't. I can't even uh, entertain the well, idea. If you're tasting 50 or 100 wines or you're tasting 50 spirits at some of these trade tastings we do, and you spit everything, you're still going to get buzzed. Yeah, you're still going to have a little bit of a buzz. Yeah, and I, I was conscious of that uh, when I was doing the, the tasting notes on uh, Sunday. And, uh, you know, I was like, I'm going to take a little break and come back to this because, I mean, still, I've still got alcohol on the palate, right? Yeah, um, it'd still be real easy for you to just be like, you know, yeah, why I'm not? Just take a sip, right? Throw one down. Yeah, and, and that's not necessarily, like, I'm not, for me, it's not a, a fear of, um, like, oh, I'm going to take a sip, and then it's like the world is over, you know? I'm right, like, right, 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 right. And, and reset, and Well, so, like, I mean, what led you to, to becoming sober? Oh, man, I, I, you know, I think, looking back, you know, as I was getting sober, attempting to, I was always very reluctant to say I was an alcoholic because it's just nobody wants to throw that label on themselves, right? Uh, it seems like a very, well, you know, it's a taboo thing to talk about addiction. Uh, but if I look back, I mean, I started drinking when I was 14 and from that time had a very unhealthy relationship with booze for the majority of my life. I mean, I was, I overconsumed um, that entire time that, you know, it was 20 years of drinking. Um, or 25 years of drinking in, in a very unhealthy manner and had a very unhealthy relationship with it. Um, I think it all kind of came to a head uh, in 2016. I really noticed my health taking a dive. I was really overweight. Um, was having a lot of just, you know, sort of bizarre um, pains, aches and pains. Um, I knew I was probably, a, just based upon my weight, I was probably getting to a point where I was going to have to start worrying about Diabetes, diabetes and high cholesterol and all these chronic diseases and as I was approaching 40 even thinking oh shit like 
you know, I don't want to live like this. I don't want to be on meds. I don't want to have to see a doctor all the time. Like, I don't have to be watching my diet compulsively and, and, and worrying about what I'm eating. And, um, and I knew that um, the bulk of my health issues were coming from the fact that I was over-consuming at, at, to a high degree. You know, I was probably easily 12 to 15 drinks a day for a year and a half. Wow. Um, and yeah, that was, it was unsustainable. But you're right. That is something that we don't talk about very often in the industry, but that's also not very uncommon because no. when you talk to someone that's outside the industry, I mean, my parents are a good example, you know, and they, you know, it's nothing for us to sit down and have four or five drinks because that's what we do in the course of a day. Yeah. And then you, if you tell somebody that that has just like a regular eight to five job and they have a few <laughs> beers on the weekends and you say, oh, I, I only have five or six drinks a day. Yeah. That's insane if it's you really insane. think uh, that. Uh, how many yeah. times you go to the doctor and they just look at you like, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really? Do you consume f- more than five drinks a week? And you're like, like yeah, a you're week? The, yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a slow day. <laughs> that's a slow day for me. Oh. And, I, and then I think that it is a point where you're like, you lie. I mean, I lie. You oh, know, yeah, when I go to the doctor, forever. I'm not going to tell it. I'm like, I always try to give the cow. I'm like, well, I'm in the industry. I mean, I have yeah. to taste it. But We're like, do I really? The, do I really have to you taste You know, the danger of that tasting, right, is like I have, I do two or three. Maybe a vendor comes in, we're going to taste some wine. I have two or three sips of wine. That's closer to actually maybe a glass, right? As we working through those tastings, sure. now it becomes very easy to just go ahead and say, "Well, I'm just going to have a drink now." And you don't right? want like to eat a salad after you've had a right. few cocktails in you. You know, you want to eat real food. So, yeah, yeah. Um, let me just say for for anyone out there who you know is in recovery or sober, if we're laughing on this podcast, we're not laughing at this because it is serious shit. But I know at least uh, myself, and I can't speak for Ed, I think we're laughing at ourselves for sake of the reality of, of what we consume and imbibe. Yeah, and it is it is something that we have to think about because, you know, it, it, I do get that reality check every time, time I go to the doctor. You know, I'm like, yeah. am I at, how, how at risk am I of, like, this becoming a major problem? And again, that's kind of why I've, I've been very more apt to discuss this is because of the fact that, we can stay in this industry for so long. You know, when mm-hmm. I was coming up, it was something you did for three or four years to get through college, and then you, you know, you got right. your real job, quote unquote, real job. But now it's a place where you can, you can be in this industry for a very long time and be very successful. So it's not a five or, you know, it's not a three or four year thing that you're doing when you're in twenties. You know, you know, people that have been in the business for a long time, or they're they've had success as a brand ambassador, or they're moving into. Uh, Right. on the distributor side on the sales side like those still come like that the t- you're not you're not removing yourself from the environment of overconsumption it's just you just have a different seat at the table right you're all sitting at the same table um but even as a as a distributor as a brand rep as a bar owner or restaurant owner um you're still in that world of there's just booze everywhere you go right? um serendipitously i literally came here from um kind of a luncheon trade thing and there were cocktails, there were people drinking scotch, and, you know, this is one o'clock in the afternoon, there was champagne flowing, and um, so that being one point, but um, to, to Josh's other point about a, a career server, someone came up and was like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for a gig, I've been a, a career service professional my whole life, and I intend on staying at it, you know, what, what, what would you advise? So, yeah. Yeah, there, I mean, you can do, I mean well, collectively here, we've got, what, 80 years in the yeah. business? Well, see, yeah. that's the other thing that, uh, you know, I wanted to point out <clears throat> is that we're all over 40. So yeah. there's a lot of... Um, barely. Uh, you barely, but you, we've got the, 
you know, the younger generations that they still feel invincible. We are now starting to face Not our mortality. <laughs> I've got less bit. years ahead of me than I've right. so, behind me. <laughs> so that you just say mortality, mortality. I mean, you were, I mean, yeah, we're I at mean, best case scenario, we're almost halfway done. Yeah, if not half, already we're, over. We're, we're on the back nine. We're on we the are, back nine man. for sure. So, I mean, that's where, you know, the wake up call, I think, comes at that age. You know, potentially not for right. everybody, but you know, you get no, that. some people going by, you know, sports cars. And, sure. Yeah. You know, get a 18 year old girlfriend. We just yes, stopped drinking. I just got sober. Um, but you have extended, you know, um, an invitation to local area bartenders, service professionals, and you're doing kind of uh, these open discussions now. And you just recently. Yeah, we one just uh, wrapped one up. Was it last last week? Yeah. How'd that go? I think it, was, it was great. We had about 22 people show up. Oh, no shit. Uh, there was a lot of activity on Facebook, but I never. If somebody's, you know, if, if it says 60 people are showing up on Facebook, I guarantee usually count that as like 30. You know <laughs> what I mean? About half six. are going to show up, right? Yeah. So, so what cocktails um, did you serve during it? We served uh, <laughs> quite a few drinks that night. Uh, soda waters. Uh, but it was great. We had a, had a girl from Detroit that drove down to talk to, to oh, be a no part shit. of it. Yeah, she's uh, she works in the service industry up there. So what exactly was the topic um, of conversation? Was you it know, just I, alcohol? Or? Well, no, I, it, you know, I kind of started off giving some statistics uh, about the industry. Um, about our, you know, propensity towards alcoholism. Uh, bartenders have um, 2.5 times or, or more likely to die of alcoholism than the nation, national average. Uh, if you're female, that jumps up to three times. Uh, we're twice as likely to suffer from um, mental illness issues, uh, twice as likely to have um, heart-related stress issues. Um, Where are these statistics from? Uh, there's a bunch of sources I can, I can, we can, if you want to put them in show notes, I have them all in my slides. A lot of more, um, uh, uh, CDC stats, uh, department of work force development stats, um, national health Institute stuff. Um, the funniest one was 17% of, uh, service industry workers admit to using drugs. Uh, I, I like the word admit. admit though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're right. So yeah. I thought it was funny cause it's probably more like a hundred percent. Yeah. 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 Oh, we're, what are we calling a drug? <laughs> Again, right? Yeah, is Adderall count? Uh, but uh, yeah, so we kind of started, kind of started the dialogue there, and kind of giving it a you know, we we we're in a an industry that um, is a high stress, right? It's compared to like a, a surgeon, the level of stress that a that a bartender or server uh, has daily, back of house, same. Uh, and we have very little control over the environment that we're in. So I have very little control over how our guest is going to treat me, things they're going to say to me. Are they going to threaten me physically? Probably. Are they going to cuss at me at some point in the night? Yes. If I'm a female, are they going to sexually harass me? Of course. Right? Like all these things you're getting dealt very on reactive. a new basis, right? And you don't have any, there's really nothing you got to keep the smile on your face and serve the drink and yes, sir, no, sir. Um, so all those issues sort of combine to create a, a very um, unhealthy state of being. So what's the natural response is to find a way to cope with that. And, oh, there's a bottle of, there's, I'm surrounded by bottles of booze. Right. Um, and then that culture is sort of ingrained. And, um, you know, you're up till three or four in the morning. You know, you're not getting to bed till five or six. Uh, you're getting up at one or two to go back to work at three or four. And then, you know, your cortisol levels are screwed. Your, you know, biological rhythms are flipped. Like, there's all these things that are putting you in places of high stress. Your fight or flight's probably always turned on. You're never in a state of being able to decompress. So you're tired all the time, so you're drinking coffee. Um, you can't sleep, so you're 
smoking weed, um, whatever it is, but mostly it's the booze, right? It's mostly you're using the booze to cope with right. the unhealthy nature of the, of, the, of the work environment. Well, it's definitely not uncommon in the industry. And for, I know we've mentioned it, it's probably been a while now, but I mean, we, the podcast is called Shift Drink for a reason. So, I mean, a shift drink, uh, for those of you outside the industry, is you know, a drink you would get either during or after your shift, uh, provided you know, by management or the bartender or whatnot. Um, now, we don't actually permit that drinking behind our bars or in our kitchens and any of our restaurant group because I have seen what that leads to working for other people. I have seen a lot of guys drink themselves out of business. Um, but it's definitely very, very common. And you go to restaurant kitchens and bars all the time and people are doing shots with their buddies or the, uh, I, I know the, uh, the writer you did an interview with a couple weeks ago, Kevin McGinsey, uh, mentioned it, the, the bartender handshake. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, it's very difficult. In fact, there are certain bars that I won't go to out of town if I don't feel like drinking because I know that if I run into a bartender that I know, the first thing that's going to end up on that bar top is going to be a daiquiri. And if I don't feel like drinking, it's going to be... It's, it's tough for me to say no. You know? Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's difficult. You know, they, they, they spent their money, they spent their product, they spent their time to offer you know, something to me and to be like, ah, no, I'm not drinking today. Sorry, can you put that down the drain? can also be very dangerous for the pocketbook is when someone says the next round is on me. Like <laughs> words you should not say as a service professional if you plan on you know, making it yeah, an yeah. actual career. Yeah, totally. Well, that, you know, that, that's the kind of culture that I was trying to, you know, to discuss, right? Like that needs to be discussed again because if you're building a career like how sustainable is that right how sustainable is it from a business culture how sustainable is it from a health perspective and then just just from sort of like any level of like mental clarity right and and being on your game 100 percent when you're on shift uh so if the culture of the restaurant is we're drinking all the time um what you know what's the real message you're sending your crew like is this something we have to do to get through the shift uh, is this something that we have to do to feel like we're successful? Uh, is, it, is it something we have to do to keep the guests coming back? Right, because if, if you say yes to those questions and you've got to kind of maybe rethink what you're doing uh, because you're sending dangerous message to your staff. And, and that was really sort of where I was as, a, as an owner operator. The message that I was sending to my staff was, it's okay to do these things when in reality it's, it's the complete opposite, right? So getting my kids to understand, the crew to understand that uh, these behaviors are, it's great. You're 25 years old and you're a bartender. It's an awesome job, right? Like I'm not trying to strip away the fun of it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's super fun. You it's can still exciting. drink, just don't, don't do it it's all sexy. day. Yeah, like, you know. I was a monster You get 20s. to be a rock star behind the bar, right? It's the closest thing you can, you know, you're on stage. Everyone's looking at you. Like you have, it's fun. Everybody, you know, you're the life of the, of the party. You're the energy behind, the, behind that um, the space. Um, but you also have to be very, very careful about um, the decisions you're making when you're back there and how those are going to, those, what those repercussions look like in the next year or two years. So for somebody that's just entering the industry as a bar back, and if I'm in a bar where the culture is like shot, shot, shots, as a 21-year-old, like these are the coolest people I've ever met, right? These guys behind the bar, these 25, 26-year-olds. And uh, now I'm ingrained in that culture and that becomes like the normal behavior for me when I'm at work. That's kind of a dangerous place to put that kid because we don't know what their baggage is. You know, like right. we don't know what they're coming to the table with. And is this something they can deal with and handle effectively and and move forward through or are they going to get stuck here? And I think the reality is a lot of us get stuck there. Uh, I, you know I, what? 
I just say I never could handle it. I never saw the allure of drinking while at work. I know uh, I've worked with a lot of people, um, either at other restaurants or I have friends that work in other restaurants, and they're like, "Ah, oh, it's great, man. We can drink in the kitchen, or we can drink while we're behind the bar whenever we want." I'm like, "Why? Like, I've got to be a hundred percent on my game, and if I'm not, I feel, I, I feel like I can't accomplish my my job." And obviously, I've got a lot more responsibility now than I did when I, you know, 15 years ago when I was 25. But I still just didn't feel good. I mean, if it was the end of the night, taking a shot is different than like taking a shot every 20, 30 minutes, you know, through the course of a six-hour shift. And you, I think the most interesting thing that I've feedback that I've gotten. I did a presentation in New York on a similar topic. Uh, That's right. Back you were in there November. for uh, Bar Institute. Bar right? Institute, yeah. And we did a, a panel of four uh, bar owners uh, that are sober and have been sober. Uh, some as long as four or five years and myself being the, the shortest time frame at a little over a year at the time. But the, the, the feedback that I got afterwards, you get a lot of people kind of coming up to you on the side that want to, you know, chat on a, in a less, in a smaller forum. Yeah, they don't want to raise yeah, their hand. Yeah, they're not trying to raise their hand and, and want a little bit of an anonymity. But the thing that I get all the time is I drink because of, I drink behind the bar because of the anxiety that I have in dealing with the guests, right? Like, mm-hmm. I know that I, like, I needed as some sort of social lubricant so I could be the fun guy, and be engaging and and make the guest have a good time. But I also know that it's coming at an expense of my own health. So that's that's the thing that's the most interesting to me is that the from a, from a bartender's perspective, drinking behind the job is a way to diminish the anxiety that the job inherently kind of brings. Uh, um. Sorry to be that guy, but we never <laughs> talked about what um, we drank last night. I thought we were, I thought it was a, <laughs> I thought it was appropriate to skip over that. But um, no, man, like I, I, I don't have a, a non-alcoholic <laughs> drink. You know, the thing for me is, uh, you know, I, I tell people all the time that, that my, my sobriety was a an extreme solution to an extreme problem. So, you know, I don't care if you drink. You know, my my staff has a good time. They were, you know, uh, they 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 go out together. They have fun. Like it's not. I'm not like, hey guys, don't drink. Yeah, and that's yeah, not yeah. the message that I'm trying to, to send. It's the message is that as hospitality professionals, we're very, very good at taking care of guests. We're really, really bad at taking care of ourselves. 100%. And we're really bad at taking care of the people that we work with daily. Like that's our family. You know, that's the closest thing that we have. We're, we spend 12 hours of our days together. I spend more of my time with, with our kids. I say kids. Yeah. I mean, some of them are older than me, but I mean, with this, than I do um, actually with my wife or, or rest of my family. I don't have children yeah. or anything, but um, yeah, it definitely is something that you, you think about the guests first. You think about your, your employees first and, you know, we don't think about ourselves quite as much. Now, I, having said that, I've, you know, I have zero interest in drinking every day like when I was in my 20s. I just... I, I guess I wasn't one of those at risk, you know, um, to, I'd, I'd never consumed all that much. Um, I really smoked a hell of a lot more weed than I did drink, but probably should have gone that route. Yeah. But nowadays, I mean, if I drink, if I go out to drink it maximum, like twice a month, um, yeah. fact, you know, and I thought this was a relevant topic to talk about because as we're heading into the holiday season, you know, you're drinking every day as part of your work. It's part you know? of it, yeah. Holiday and now, parties, and getting, right. family and so, events. So everybody's got the bottle of wine around, and mm-hmm. it makes it very difficult, and it does. It takes a really big toll on your body. Um, now, having said that, I did actually have a few drinks last night, but I actually behaved. Uh, literally, I had few, two. Um, the rest of the guys I was with, um, oh, my best friend is in town from Seattle. So, again, that's, you know, one of those trigger points. Like, I know somebody's yeah. coming in town. I didn't really feel like going out and drinking last night. Um, 
But um, so, yeah, he said he was like, oh, I had an, had an Ed moment. I fell off my bar stool. But uh, no, I actually, um, God, what the hell did I drink last night? Something, I did, just a gin and tonic, I think. I had two gin and, tonic? two, two gin and tonics. Yeah, um, nothing it's super mostly old, It's mostly old-fashioned weather, though. Uh, well, I had an old-fashioned with you what, last week uh, with the yeah, that's uh, right. with the Elijah Craig. With the, the Elijah um, Craig single barrel. Yeah, that was it's beautiful. Delicious. It is delicious. On sale at Thunderbird. $32 a bottle. Uh, <laughs> I drank a lot over the weekend, so I I dried out yesterday. Did you? Yeah. So you drank something last night, tea? Um, yak tea? Water. <laughs> Isn't that the Tibetan stuff, that yak butter tea? <laughs> you ever had that shit? It's disgusting, man. Um, Sorry if you're from Tibet. You're probably, you're likely not listening to us. Probably not listening to this podcast. I'm just going to roll. I think I had some chamomile tea last night. I don't remember what I had. Um, Last night was a long night. Yesterday was a long day. It's kind of fuzzy. Yeah, my day was so long. I actually, at some point during the day, my brain switched gears and thought that we had changed days because I started my day at 530 in the morning, which is very rare for me. And then I was, you know, going until 230 in the morning. Um, just with Michelin's things, went to go see Star Wars and all that. But yeah, I think somewhere around like 4 p.m., I thought it was Tuesday. Yeah, my, the holidays I, have been so nuts for me. I'm having a hard time keeping track of what day is what. Um, this time of year for me, it is kind of, it slows down a little bit just because, you know, I'm not on the street hustling. So, you know, I'm doing trainings and dinners and seminars, and a lot of people aren't really booking those in december so right yeah i kind of spend december's getting ready for q1 so actually i have a question for you then arthur on the wine side is that that drinking mentality as prevalent as as sort of in the bartender community well we're like in the psalm culture we're, or? We're, we're certainly not angels but i mean a lot of people i know uh, at least i should say a lot of people that are sommeliers um, they're also doing cocktails and Amaro's and yeah. Roast and, and right. Fairnet, and they're drinking their share of spirits, too. Um, in the wine world, like sales reps and, and, and you know, brand ambassadors and everything, you know, I, I don't, probably not, you know. Um, we still get those looks when we're talking to a physician or, we're, you know, sure. someone asks, you know, five, six cocktail, uh, drinks a week, and we're like, well... I had four glasses of wine, and they kind of look at you like sixteen ounce glasses. Um, so it, it's no, they're looking at you. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, based on your liver enzymes, buddy, we think you're full of shit. Um, so um, it, it's it's definitely there. And the short answer, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. And, and Josh, you and I both know. Um, I do think hard spirits do take a toll on you in a yeah, different, different way a different than wine. Way, yeah, yeah. Well, it's real easy to consume and yeah, over-consume, over-consume uh, yeah. very and, and quickly. The, and then the toll is uh, the price you pay the next day is a lot higher. And yeah. I've spoken to different people, of course, spirits people that have mentioned, you know, different vitamins that do exist in higher proof spirits um, or antioxidants or something like that. But I, I think if you were to ask the majority of physicians, They'd probably say a glass of red wine is going to be healthier for you than, you know, three fingers of whiskey. Sure. Sure. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, what I was going to say with Josh is, you know, we came from very different backgrounds than what we do now. You know, there was no real craft cocktail uh, movement. Uh, definitely not in Indiana and, and probably not damn near anywhere else other than a few pockets here and there in New York and Boston, San Francisco, where it really never went away. But 
um, you know, I work for different chains or whatever, and I have seen a lot of people that I used to work for crash and burn because when you got the freedom as an owner, you know, there's no one to tell you, no, you cannot drink on staff. So I have worked for people that they park their ass, the owner parks their ass at the, at the corner of the bar, and they manage from the corner, and they just keep the drinks going all night long until the point, I mean, I'm not kidding, we've had to, there was one gentleman that we worked for, <laughs> using the word gentleman, um, that we worked for that got so hammered uh, one particular night that he went to the bathroom, into the stall to throw up, passed out, locked the stall was locked. We uh, had to drag the owner out from underneath yeah. the bottom of the stall in the men's room. That was the owner. He was our boss. Like, that's who we worked for. And so, and, you know, that's that's something I always try to you be cognizant of. his pants on. His, no, his pants were on. Like, no, he, went, and that's, he went to go to vomit. But, you know, like, that's, you have to worry about, like, what, what does that look like the next day to your employees? If they had to drag yeah. you out from underneath the bathroom stall the night before, you know, it's real hard to come in the next day and, and put your iron fist down and be like, why isn't this piece of equipment cleaned well enough? It's like, well, because exactly. I was and dragging that, you, know, you out of the bathroom last we've all, night. We've all worked for those people, right? We've all had that experience. It's not uncommon. Um, and that was, for me, kind of the turning point where I was like, I don't want to be that guy. Like, I, I see myself going down that path, and that's not, that's not a good place for anybody. Um, so, yeah, you have to, you know, I guess there comes a point in everybody's, you know, life where they need to check themselves and I had to do that in a bigger way in a more severe way uh, like you said an extreme solution an extreme solution to an extreme problem yeah um, but yeah I mean that you know the like I said the, the message I'm trying to, to send is just f- from the house hospitality insiders perspective is just treat ourselves better you know and 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 treat you know realize that the that the work that we do is demanding mentally and physically and that oftentimes the way that we deal with it is, um, is, is in the least healthy manner. So, you know, again, am I telling everybody to quit drinking? No, I don't think that's, that's not an answer for everybody. And that's a very personal decision that you have to make for yourself. But I think that just if you're mindful about how you're drinking, if you're being mindful about the way that you're expressing that culture to your employees, to the bartender sitting across from your bar when you're on shift that comes in to say hi, like, giving them a shot instantly may be the last thing that person needs. Right. And you know, there's plenty, there, I, I remember very vividly, um, I was doing a bar takeover in Chicago. And uh, the night before, a friend of mine popped up in town unexpected from visiting from New York. We went out, got wasted. I drove to Chicago early the next morning, incredibly hungover. Um, was gonna meet a friend at a bar. Um, for a, for a takeover that was occurring there that I was not a part of. I was just going to go visit. I knew I was going to, as soon as I got to Chicago, I was going to start drinking again. And I was afraid. I remember being like, dude, I don't want to do this, but I don't, I can't say no. Right. Right. You know, I, that's we're, what it we're, is, we're going out with these guys. I got drunk that night. I woke up at two in the afternoon. I had to be at the bar. I was bartending at at four for, to get syrups made and get set up. And as soon as I got there, we started ripping shots. And I did not want to do it. Like I knew I could. And I was with that bar staff earlier that day, that, that, that night before getting drunk. I knew we were all hungover. And uh, that was around the time a year ago where I was like, man, I, I've got to stop. Like I can't do this anymore. That hair of the dog doesn't become as effective as a hangover cure when you're getting older. Well, yeah, well, no, it was just, and, and then it was a, just it's like, a cycle. it's a cycle. Yeah. And it was just like, next thing you know, and then I get back and it's, you know, somebody else is in town and then there's yeah. another event. And then it's next thing you know, it's seven days of 
straight intoxication. Think, well, that's been the evolution of the kind of craft cocktail movement is that, you know, where these events were happened with a lot less regularity 10, 15 years ago. Now it's, there's a cocktail competition. Yeah, every you, night. You either need to attend, judge, a bartender coming in through town. Like everybody knows everyone. There's a wine tasting. So there's always, there's a very, it's very easy to rationalize having that one, one extra drink because you, uh, you know, you're with this particular person or that particular person, but it also speaks to uh, mental health as well, yeah, you know, um, because it's, you know, where you had touched on it, like, you know, it's the anxiety of behind the bar, but, you know, we're always concentrating, as you said, on the guest and, and the experience and putting on the smile and like, everything's awesome and we love our job and we aren't stressed out because this is amazing, but, you know, and we internalize that stuff and we don't actually... Uh, I mean, it, it's still a stigma. I mean, hell, you know, I don't sit around and talk about, you know, the depression that I go through on, a, you know, a monthly basis, you know, with the stress that just kind of all crashes down on you. Oh, yeah. And you don't have a lot of people to relate to. And I, what you're doing with the, with the open discussions is fantastic. But I, I'm wondering, obviously, you're not a mental health professional. Has that kind of come into it yet? Have you, have you reached out to the mental health professionals to kind of co-host these events with so you? I think that was gonna be the next step. So about a year ago, a little over a year ago, I was in a really like really bad depression and reached out to a friend, a therapist, just for some sort of help of like, hey, how do I deal with this? I'm not, I'm not certain what's going on. Kind of come to find out it's maybe like a, a, a side effect of, of the sobriety and, and uh, really learning how to sort of deal with my emotions again without the booze to help me. Oh, wow. So uh, this was a depression post-quitting drinking. Post-quitting not- drinking, yeah. It was really severe, really, really debilitating. Um, and uh, well, there goes she was me a- being sober. Yeah, right. She, I mean, that's a, but that's a cool thing when you go through the process. It's like every day there's like another little battle. But when you work through it, it's just, it's fun. It gets to a place where it's fun and it's like I sort of... It's more gratifying. Yeah, it's a lot more gratifying because like, oh, I can actually do this. Like I can, I can make this work, you know. So, but... Uh, the mental health side is important to me. So I was thinking the next, if, if I do it again, um, and I'm going to have to find a space that I can do it. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to use Thunderbird anymore. Um, but um, I'd like to bring in and have sort of subgroups. So maybe uh, bring in a mental health expert that can kind of, if you want to talk about that, you can go to this little corner. You know, if you want to talk about um, the physical aspect, you know, getting physically healthy, we can talk to somebody over here. If you want to talk about the addiction stuff, you can talk about that over That's here. That's a great idea. Um, so you, you, we can kind of cater it more to what individuals are looking for. Because some people there in that group were uh, maybe not necessarily battling with the addiction and so much that they were really struggling with the stress and the anxiety and the depression that come with the, with the job. Some people it was the addiction. Some people it was how do I balance it all out, right? I, I, I think you, it will be hard to screen the best mental health professional to come in and do that that doesn't have a prejudice against you know bartenders or the realities of it like you don't want sure. someone who comes in and is just you know taking a page out of you know western medicine and saying okay um you drink how much uh all that's bad you know yeah Which well i think is, from a mental health perspective it's it's got to be more about um you, you've got mean, to get to a place where you're understanding why, if, if, it, is, if it is an addiction for you, um, why that's the coping mechanism, right? And that's a lot of shit. Right, right? That's yeah. like a lot of personal shit. It is a lot of personal shit. Yeah. And that, Ed mentioned earlier mental health. You had mentioned mindfulness. 
Um, I'm curious how you're supplementing, you know, your new lifestyle. Is there meditation, yoga, working yeah, out? Yeah, I mean, I go to the gym all the time. I mean, that you know, like when you, you know, I, the crazy, the, the, the weird thing when I gave up the booze, and I guess I didn't really expect like a, this severe or extreme lifestyle change. I think oh, I'll give up the booze and like that's all that will happen. But no, everything changes, right? You're, you know, you're like you're, I, I, you know, I always said I lost my tribe, right? Like the, my tribe kind of, I moved outside of it it's still there and I can come back into it and plug myself in and go to events and do these things, but I'm kind of on the periphery now. Um, so in order to supplement that, I was just the gym, right? Like, so that's, I don't go to the bars. I go to the gym. Um, but meditation has become a huge thing for me. I don't do it on a regular basis. I would say three days a week. Um, I, sh- I would love to be in a place where I'm doing it daily because it does provide a, a, a great, um, well, have you, have sense you, have of, of, of calm around town. I mean, we, people have heard me you know talk about yoga before and we do have an amazing yoga culture here and that culture has a lot of workshops and there are um various businesses all around town where we have you know pretty solid you know monks coming in and doing meditations and pretty solid healers and mental health professionals coming in um more holistic kind of stuff so yeah and as i've delved into the the health aspect because that's where i've gone that's where i've channeled my energy is to just get myself healthy and um it's definitely you know, there's a trend on that in the in the fitness community that's pushing towards that holistic side. So meditation is huge. The, uh, you know, gut health is huge. Uh, you know, the, the concept of adrenal fatigue and leaky gut. I'm getting like into like weird <laughs> stuff. But right. like these are all things that are sort of starting to come up in the fitness community um, that are all really geared towards not only improving your, your physical health, but improving your mental and emotional health yeah, as well. No, it's, when you start going down that road of, of being physically healthy, and you know this as a, as a weightlifter and as, a, as a, a yogi, the more you push yourself physically, the more you start having to, you, you realize you're challenging yourself mentally, and then you have to go down this really weird emotional path, which puts you in this really bizarre spiritual place. And then you're like me. Yeah, and then you get, well, then, then, you, then you have to go <laughs> oh, back Wait a minute, hold on, let's back yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, well, Don't do any of the above, then you're going to end up like Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> but then you end up back to the physical, and it's this really fun, like, it's this really fun circle of health that you get. If you're willing to make that oh. journey, it becomes very fun. And I just got real, like, woo-woo and, like, hippie right there, but um, it's a fun place to be if you're willing to to uh, experience it. My problem is I do all that shit and I spend money on the workshops and like do all that stuff uh, to great expense. I just still drink a lot. So if I can just get around that fact, then, you know, I'd be Superman. (laughs) You'd be Superman. You're a little too short to be Superman. I am a little too short. Josh would make a better Superman than me. Uh, I'm more like Wolverine. You'd be a better Wolverine. You do have the pretty epic Wolverine Wolverine. beard. Yeah. Yeah. It's getting a little long, man. You're going to need some beard oil soon. I know. I know. I'm excited. Um, and I even thought, like, maybe I should get some beard oil, but that's going to give me a hard fucking time about that. No, I, shit, man. When I, got, I use it. I've got some at the house. You know, it took it took a while for me to get on board with it, but when you realize, you know, Need it. How, you, know, you got to do it. it. Especially when you wear your beard as long as I do, man. It's like, yeah, that thing it is. just gets brittle and it's like a, like a freaking corn broom, you know? Especially this, like, wiry ginger beard, you know? Yeah, especially the weather's like this. Your skin gets super dry. I need that. And, like, the gray hair comes out weird, too, man. It's, like, stiffer and... Throw some bourbon on it, Arthur. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, though. This is... I've never actually told anybody this. So, when I was in D.C. in, uh, in March or April, man, it was... Um, I don't know. The weather was... 
it's usually a lot more humid than than that time I had gone out there. And I was getting ready to go out, and I was like, God, my beard is just terrible. And I was in an Airbnb, so I'm like, well, there's got to be some oil somewhere around here. Just whatever, you know. And I started combing through the cabinets, man, and there was nothing. And uh, I was like, well, this sucks. I'm not going to go buy a little bit of beard oil just so that I, like, look slick and nice for the evening when I was going out. But I found a can of Pam. <laughs> so you sprayed, sprayed Pam a little, on your I face? sprayed a little Pam <laughs> into my hands. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You were desperate. I was, Desperate man. times. <laughs> I smelled buttery fresh you all were night. jonesing <laughs> for the beard oil. That's amazing. You get a very, uh, very select group of friends hanging around with you when you smell like buttered Pam all night. <laughs> Arthur, you, in the, with the uh, yoga, do you find that that gives you some sort of... Uh, like distraction when you're when you're like engaged and you're like disciplined enough to make it a daily um, ritual are you find do you find that that alleviates some of that no, tension it, or it, um it, you know meditation is is really just focus so you know when you're working out in the gym that's a form of meditation when you're doing yoga that's meditation in motion with with postures now the benefit to yoga is that if you get down that path you can cross over into you know learning about chakras um from on, and that's not even a spiritual level that that's that's a physical thing you know we have you know locks of energy in our body that are connected by some seventy thousand um nadas which are channels of of energy if you look at yoga and you look at where these locations are in the body and then you look at acupuncture sure yeah it's exact same yeah. location so and the more we study the more we're, we're learning about the validity of this but you also do a lot of pictures, uh, postures that are specifically designed to take blood to certain parts of the body, inversions, twists, and all those things, massage the organs, and, you know, our, our, we'll, they'll, I call yoga like it's an oil change for the body. Um, now, the problem is, is that I've been very lazy over the past couple of months, and I haven't been getting oil changes on a daily basis, um, but to your question yeah when when i am practicing on a daily basis absolutely there's a focus to it i mean you you can't be thinking about other shit or you can't be hearing the noise of your mind when you're doing a handstand you just can't that's the where i struggle because uh you know i mean that's very much a part of the uh buddhist ideals as well which i'm i'm not a buddhist i don't think anyone uh regular listener to the podcast thinks i'm a religious person one shape or another but I mean, I would identify with that philosophy probably more than others. And it's just that what you were talking about, mindfulness, like being in the present moment at that moment and not reaching any further or back. And I have a very hard time doing that as a business owner because I have a hard time letting go from my phone ringing off the hook. My grill just went down. My dishwasher didn't show up. And so even when I'm in yoga, I have a very hard time putting my phone over in a locker and no, not absolutely, you know, absolutely. And yeah you got to do that i mean it's the same for when i'm when i'm at the gym you know it's it's Don't, a meditative experience yeah. for me because i can't if i'm trying to pull you know 400 off the ground i can't be worried about anything no. else you know i just got to you have to be in that moment and that's where i think the physical activity sort of saved me in that it gave me a place to focus my mind like to put my mind yeah where i had to like really get into in touch with my body understand how it was working um, and it was took the distraction away from I wasn't able to, to like worry about the booze anymore because I was more concerned with my health you talk about an oil change for the body but you know the reality is we spend more money on making sure maintaining our cars and more time and energy and then we do on like maintaining our 
our bodies. This is like the one, the one fucking car we got. Nice you use know. of the metaphors. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He just went up to man. I yeah, know. this is the only car we've got through this little life journey, so we might as well take care of it. Uh, so, goddamn it, Arthur, get back to the gym. Start doing some yoga. No shit. I'll go yeah. with you tomorrow. I'm, I'm, I need to get to the gym in general, but I am very I'm going there right I'm, after this. I'm very happy to. I mean, I, I am feeling a lot healthier these days. You I mean, lost weight. You look great, man. Yeah, you lost a lot of I weight. Went yeah. From 241. Um, I checked this morning. I, about every few days, I'll check. I went in at 208 this morning, so nice. I'm feeling a lot healthier. Um, I've just gone a little too far. I overshot the mark. I needed to make my clothes fit before we went to Alsace, and now I've overshot the marks. So now all my clothes are too big. Now I have to buy new clothes again. Like, yeah. God damn it. I had to go up and buy the, all the double XL shirts. And then I completely blew past it now wearing large. I'm like, well, so yeah, I got it. I have the, I have a weird body. So I have a hard time like in between larges and X larges. Well, you guys are like gym rats. You have the big shoulders, you know, yeah, big it's, chest. It's I'm like, fine shit that fits. Uh, I'm five, eight with like 16 inch, 17 inch arms. So imagine trying to buy a jacket off the rack with that. Um, you I can the, also, you got the pythons. Hell yeah, man! Twenty-four inch pipe. I was like, you, you got you got a little bit more to go before you get to Hogan. Before level. Hulkamania runs down on you. Well, he's also what, six foot four or some shit. He's Is he big, six four? He's tall. Yeah, he's a big guy. Big dude. Well, um, so, uh, do you have another one of these uh, uh, events planned already? I don't. I haven't. So the the uh, the the hold hold up is we're getting ready to go seven days a week at Thunderbird. So we're typically closed Monday. So I have the space. The space has always been available to me to do any kind of private event on a Monday, uh, but we go live seven days a week, January one. So I don't have uh, access to the space to do these events. Uh, I, I have a person in mind I want to contact to see if we can use uh, this com- a community space that's uh, not far from the bar. Um, I just need to reach out to her and see if that would be something that's doable because I think if we did one, not you know, maybe quarterly or something like that would be fun. Uh, to just to drive to keep the conversation going because I think it's important. It's actually something that you're seeing pop up nationally. You know, there's sure. a lot of high-profile bartenders that have dumped the booze. Yeah, um, and uh, huge, especially in New York. I mean, a lot of yeah, those guys are yeah. very outspoken about it. Yeah, Jack McGeary, you know, Chris Cardone just won World Class, and he's been sober for quite a while. You know, Giuseppe Gonzalez over at. Um, uh, Suffolk Arms, Nectali out in Vegas with uh, Herbs and Rye. All, all those people are, you know, incredibly incredible business owners, incredible bartenders, and they've won all the awards and do all the cool things. Um, and are they active about the sobriety, or did you just tell a bunch of people that they're <laughs> out of them? No, right. just out of them. No, no, they're, they're, act- very they're, they're very active about right. it. You know, they, we we were all on a panel together um, in New York talking about it, and Chris is Chris Cardone's. You've taken a path of being very vocal and, um, you know, making again, it's not a message of sobriety in terms. It's 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 more a message of, of just being mindful and thinking about the decisions that we're making on and off shift, you know, because it's we've like I said, we've got one shot to do this. So you might as well try to do it as best you can. And when if you're impaired, most of the time, you're probably not doing it at the best of your ability. And all those guys are guys are working at the top of their game. Yeah, so, yeah, guys you know, that, are, if, that are crushing if, it. If there are young kids out there, they're like, no, I can't accomplish this. Uh, you know, I've got to need, I've got a taste. I've got to, you know, uh, have that social lubricant at the end of the shift. Obviously, uh, that they've proved that. Wrong. Yeah, but it, it's also cool if you're able to identify that I need it. Like if you're if you're you know coming up to me and saying, hey. I use this as a way to process my anxiety or cope with my anxiety. You're in a good place. Like you're self-aware enough to understand that. 
and see it, that's a good spot to be in. You know, you, now you're in a place that, that you can self-correct if you want to. Um, and whatever that looks like for you, you know, that's up to you. But, you know, when people come up and, and tell me that, I'm like, dude, that's cool like, that you can see that. Um, I couldn't for a long time, but you're at a spot where you can do, we can see that now. So you just got to make some adjustments, right? And like maybe really folk take, take that head on and see what that does, what that looks like for you and, and, uh, and process that. But you're, you know, you're one step ahead of the game if you understand that. Awesome. Well, uh, we're going to ask what, <laughs> what Josh's hangover cure is. My <laughs> hangover? Dude, I haven't had a hangover in so long. Uh, it's amazing to wake up every day and not have a hangover. So my, my hangover cure is uh, the other sobriety. Yeah. Um, hangovers you, are terrible. They get oh, worse. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I'm, trust me, I'm well aware of the effects of um, alcohol consumption and sleeping issues. Do you have any trouble sleeping at night? Or do you ever suffer from insomnia or anything? You don't know. And actually, I, I, uh, I have a kind of a, a, a sleep ritual that I've gotten into. Well, you did. Did you not have some issues? I did, yeah. When I first, when I first stopped drinking, I had a hard time sleeping. I was really struggling with sleeping. And then um, now, I, during the week, I try to be in bed by 1030. Um, oh, Jesus. Which is early, Yeah. <laughs> That all goes to shit on the weekends. Sure. Friday, Saturday, it's all, and then Sunday, but Sunday my sleep's all messed up again. Monday I'm usually exhausted. Then I can get back. I get like a three days of like normal sleep. But yeah, I mean, I, I try to, uh, I'll eat. I usually try to eat around seven or eight, go for a walk, get to the house, uh, get, get to bed around 10, 1030, and then lights out, no phone, and I try to be asleep. I'm up mm-hmm. at 6.30 or 7. Um, I shoot for 10 to 11. I just lay there awake uh, right yeah right. yeah we'll see i mean that's again where you got to think about like a, that you know the the adrenal fatigue that we're all suffering from right you're probably drinking way too much coffee way too much tea diet cokes cokes red bulls cigarettes whatever whatever the overstimulant is we're all guilty of it so i did experience uh, two weeks ago i couldn't sleep i couldn't figure out what i was doing wrong and i realized i was i'd switched i usually drink like one or two lattes a day and um i decided i was going to cut the extra calories out from the lattes and just go to black coffee but i'm getting way more caffeine from two cups of black coffee than two lattes right and i was like wired so much i cut that i changed that and now i'm back to sleeping normal um yeah i'm jealous no it's i my uh sleep issues precede yeah, by the way, how, before we wrap up, have you been back to the sleep clinic? You, um, I know you were scheduled. Well, I, or... I had to bounce to take a call, I'm sorry, and that was because um, I got one that they just said opened up for tomorrow, and otherwise it would have oh, been great. in January, which wouldn't have worked against the deductible. So, yeah, I've got a sleep study tomorrow, and then um, 10 hours of um, a sleep study for narcolepsy. Yep, yep. Dude, yeah. Could I maybe tell your doctor to check your cortisol levels? I've been to like a lot of doctors too. Trust me. They, is that a thing that you've looked at? Um, yeah, no. It's I've I'm working on some some health things, but trust me. Because I know I've, like adrenal fatigue is not something like mainstream medicine believes in. I've looked in, at but everything, including voodoo. Um, <laughs> and that's just for uh, shits and giggles. Right, yeah. And it it still takes me. Um, I basically take enough sleep medicine at night to kill an elephant. That I can attest. And I just I rated as a, I rate it. I, when we were helping, when we were, when we were trying to help you find your damn wallet, uh, when we were in oh. France, when you lost your wallet, and I was like, God damn, do you take all this to sleep at night? 
and yeah. you still weren't sleeping because I'd wake up in the middle of the night yeah, and dude, find I, an I, empty I bottle of wine. And you're like, you fucker, you I mean, drank all the vine box. Say, get off the goddamn <laughs> sleeping pills. Uh, I could fucking sleep melatonin and uh, snort melatonin and it wouldn't do anything. So, it's, Well, it's probably what's happening is your body's down-regulating your natural melatonin if you're taking it. So it down-regulates. Now your hormones are all whacked, out of whack. Um, I'd get off all that shit. I'm, Start I'm, take some like CBD oil before you go to bed. I advocate that, man. Um, yeah, and then do some box breathing. I I've tried. He yeah everything. He's dude. tried it all. I've tried. I'm, I'm I'm going to see some extreme severe. Um, go to the sweat lodge about it. Um, I'm a neuropsychologist uh, and a cognitive behavioral therapist who's also a PhD that specializes in sleep paralysis and uh, in insomnia. So, but I've, I've I've been this way since I was a kid. I just can't I can't do it anymore because yeah I'm fucking old. I need my sleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, need the, yeah. you need the recovery time. Your, your body shuts down. Yeah, that's so well. Um, Good luck on that, man. I hope that, uh, you know, by yeah. the next time we sit down here, uh, you've got some answers and you can actually start to get some rest. I know the holidays are coming up, and that's definitely not a restful time for any of us because oh. we've still got to keep our restaurants going, our jobs going, in addition to entertaining family coming in from out of town, friends coming in from out of town. Uh, but, you know, it's always a good time of year regardless. We just, uh, you know, I, I thought this was a timely episode to do right now because yeah. as everybody's getting ready to have a few days off, um, you know, let your body rest a little bit. You know, you don't have to be on. You don't have to be uh, getting hammered just because your grandfather's, uh, you know, yeah. brought, brought a, a bottle of Evan Williams over. You know, like you can save that for for next week or two weeks. But um, yeah, just remember if you're feeling like, man, I don't want to drink today. You don't have to. Yeah, easy as that. Yeah. Well, Josh, thanks again for coming back on yeah, the show. And it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, we haven't seen you. My I think pleasure. since like the third episode, which I think at the time you probably, were still drinking, or maybe yeah, you had just yeah. stopped. No, I was drinking at the time because it was uh, we were talking about world class mm-hmm. and uh, competition. So go back and you can listen to that episode. It was God, maybe our third episode. I think that we did. Yeah, um, it was probably uh, a year, uh, year and a half ago, spring or summer of 2016. Was that right or yeah, something yeah. like that? Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, everybody have a great holiday. Uh, also, want to spend, send a special shout out to our friend Chris Heron from Bakery Nouveau in Seattle. Sent us a uh, stolen today, um, which if you've not had stolen, it's fantastic uh, German dried fruit and nut bread. And uh, Bakery Nouveau is fantastic. Chris has been a great friend of the show and friend of mine for years. And so, uh, again, Chris, thank you for that. And to Kodo Design, uh, past guest on the show, uh, sent us some coffee today as well. So even though we just told everybody don't drink too much coffee, but, um, but again, thanks to everybody. Um, don't forget to check us out at shiftdrinkpodcast.com, uh, on Instagram. We're also shift drink podcast and check us out on Facebook because we do post some pretty cool articles and, uh, I'm going to have Josh send over some of his info uh, that he talks about with his mental health issues and alcoholism in the industry. And we'll put that up on shiftdrinkpodcast.com. So gentlemen, Uh, Again, thank you. Have a great holiday, and we'll see you soon. Cheers. Thanks, Josh.